Hey, I'm Zanzi. Welcome to Farmers Inside Track Weekend Podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Numdu, editor for audience and engagement at Foodform Zanzi. So new farmers, listen up. This week is specifically for you. Have you ever heard of the Kula app? Well, this South African agri-tech startup has completed an intensive three-year pilot phase. They've worked with farmers of all scales across Mzanzi and are now set to grow their digital trading space even further. Journalist Duncan Masiwa now chats to Kula co-founder Karida Stinzolo about this exciting app. Over to you, Duncan. Have you ever heard of the Kula app? Well, this South African agri-tech startup has completed an intensive three-year pilot phase. They've worked with farmers of all scales across Mzanzi and are now set to grow their digital trading space even further. We now connect with Kula co-founder Caridas Tintolo about this exciting app. Caridas, you've completed an intensive three-year pilot phase. You're now ready to showcase what you can do with the world. Tell us a bit about Kula and where it all started. So Kula is an agri-tech startup. So we build solutions for the agricultural value chain. It's an interesting story in terms of how Kula started. My business partner and I studied together at the University of Cape Town and we started a business while we were there. And we had always wanted to do something more impactful. We'd always wanted to do something more meaningful, something that would really change the fabric of the world and the way that the world works. And agriculture was really a platform for us to do that. I think we were inspired by the numbers around agriculture on the African continent. Two thirds of the world's arable land is here. Two thirds of the population are dependent on agriculture for an income, but we're still importing massive amounts of food from across the world. And even at a global level, you know, you've got 570 million farms across the world. If you were to distribute the global population, you could put 12 people on one farm. And even beyond that, you know, you look at the clothing industry, you look at the food industry. These are industries that are dependent on agriculture, even pharmaceuticals. And we were really inspired just by how how highly impactful and how important the industry is. I think 80% of the world's rural communities depend on agriculture. And there's probably no other industry that has the kind of reach that agriculture has. And that really inspired us. And that's where the penny dropped for what we call Kula today. And even in solving solutions in the industry, we are not your typical Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk, where you come up with this brilliant idea up front. For us, we've learned as we've gone along, as you just mentioned, we've run an intense pilot. And in this pilot, it was really about letting farmers drive the innovation, letting input suppliers really drive the solution that we have built. And the platforms that we built today, I know they don't come from Caritas, nor do they come from Matthew, Jackson, Ayanda, Alistair. They actually come from farmers. And in this intense pilot, it's really been about testing. And that's why right now, the one platform that we've taken out of pilot is our inputs app. It's a heavily tested platform that allows any farmer anywhere in the country to have the same access to input suppliers, the same access to services, regardless of what size they are, regardless of where they are. And we're excited to bring this platform out of pilot. And it's the main thing that we are pushing at the moment. And the reasoning behind the pilot is that the solutions for farmers must come from farmers because nobody understands farmers' problems better than farmers do. You know, nobody understands the input supplier perspective better than the input supplier. 
So we bring the different role players and we'll test for a year, we'll test for two years, we'll test for three years, we'll test for four years if we need to. So that by the time we bring a solution to the public, it's one that's heavily tested, it's one that's practical, and ultimately it's one that is going to solve real problems for this industry that is incredibly critical for South Africa, that is critical for the continent, and that is critical for the world as a whole. And even the name cooler, it means to grow. We always put an exclamation mark at the end of the name because it's an instruction to grow. We want our farmers to grow. We want our input suppliers to grow, everybody in the ecosystem to grow, and hence the name Kula to begin with. Now, with more than 3,000 farmers already signed up, what can farmers expect? From a practical perspective, it's really going to speak to our inputs app, which is currently live, which is something that can bring value to farmers instantly and right now. And I think it's always good to sort of paint a picture of the current experience that farmers are going through. You know, right now, if a farmer is buying inputs for their farm or the accessing services, there's a good chance that they're driving around right now. You know, if they want to buy seeds, they're going to the seed company. If they want to buy fertilizer, they're going to the fertilizer company, to the agrochemical company. If they want to buy animal health products, they're going to the animal health company. And the idea behind the inputs app that we've just launched is that a farmer can be able to buy from leading suppliers. And even with the current experience, even when a farmer gets to that supplier, there's a good chance that they're not sure what the price of fertilizer is going to be on that particular day. You know, if they're looking for a quotation, they're calling, they're emailing in order to get a quote. Um, and especially in the small scale and emerging segment, there's very limited access to technical experts and limited access to services. You know, buying a single product uh, in some cases can even take two weeks. And with our inputs app, what farmers can really expect is to be connected to over 100 suppliers, both local and international. I'm talking all of the big names. I'm talking, you know, the MSDs, the Bayers, the Syngentas, the Passives, the Sakatas, the ACIs, the Villas, over 100 suppliers that are already listed on our platform. And we've got a cohort of 190 crop advisors that are waiting to give technical advisory on the products that the farmers can get on our inputs app. We've also plugged into distribution points across the country. We are currently, you know, we currently have the capability to be able to deliver products across the nine provinces in some of the most remote regions. You know, we're plugged into 132 depots and we're actually adding more suppliers and growing this network on a daily basis. And through this network, farmers can easily get instant access to pricing, you know, instant access to pricing on chemicals, instant access to some pricing also on some infrastructure products. And we're constantly adding more to the basket of goods that we have. If a farmer is looking for a quotation on the products that they're buying, they can receive a quotation within 24 hours and we can actually deliver the products directly to their farm. If an order is above a certain quantity, we can actually deliver it to their farm. But not only that, we can also deliver it to the nearest depot. So that instead of driving around like they used to do, they can now go to a single location and they can find the products that they need. And they can engage with experts on the app during the process of ordering. And I think that's a practical, tangible thing that Kula can bring to the table now. As the months goes by, as the quarters go by, We're going to be talking about other platforms that are going to follow. But currently, it's really on the input side. It's about giving a farmer access to the correct inputs that they need, but also giving them access to the services that they need. And this becomes very important because we want farmers to move from a hand-to-mouth exercise, but to building sustainable businesses. For them to be ready for market, to be ready to supply to the big names, they need to have checked the dotted and, and crossed the right X's for them to be ready. And the inputs app, from what farmers can expect now is probably our biggest value proposition that is practical and not abstract.
So you've basically built a digital ecosystem of three platforms that are all aimed at making the agricultural value chain more efficient. Tell us a bit about this. So our ecosystem approach is really something that I guess sets us apart. I think we've taken a route that is unique to a lot of tech startups and to a lot of even tech startups within the agricultural value chain is that we believe that the industry is very integrated. We believe that the industry is very interconnected and it's very unique unlike other industries. And we've taken an ecosystem approach because quite often in agriculture, you're trying to solve one problem, you get undone by another problem. Trying to solve for market access, you get undone by logistics, you get undone by quality. And we've really had to sit back and look at the key components of the agricultural value chain. And the first component is obviously on the production side, which is where our inputs app comes in. The second component is on the market access side, which is where our fresh produce marketplace comes in. And the last component is on the funding side, which is where our funded dashboard comes in. And the platform that's out that we've released that is ready and accessible to any farmer that's listening right now is the inputs app, which I think I have gone into a bit um, of detail on in the previous question. The upcoming platform is our fresh produce marketplace. This platform is not out yet. It's not released yet. It is in an intense pilot. And on that platform, unfortunately, we can't allow every single farmer to get onto that platform. And the reason for that is quite simple, is that we are supplying to bulk suppliers, to supermarkets, to various big players. And, you know, if we have one order delivered of rotten potatoes or one order of of rotten tomatoes, it really kills the integrity of the platform. It kills the integrity of various farmers within that ecosystem. So that platform is in pilot right now. And not every single farmer will have access to it because we need to go through a vetting process to ensure that we can adhere to food safety standards. I mean, with COVID going on and even with the listeriosis outbreak that the whole country went through, it's important that we follow the right food safety standards. And we're really excited about that platform and it will be coming. And when it comes, Food from Zanzi will be the first to know about that platform. The last platform is our funded dashboard. And often things can get quite misunderstood here. But on the funded dashboard, it's really about us trying to help farmers connect with funders whose mandate they need. So what I mean here is that Kula is not a funder, so we don't actually disperse funding to farmers, so we don't fund farmers ourselves. But we have a team that goes and approaches corporate companies and public sector players and private sector and associations to say, look, you have a mandate to support farmers. We have a huge database of farmers on our inputs app and on our fresh produce app. And actually, let's help you connect with farmers that meet um, your mandate. So a funder can go onto that platform and say, look, I'm looking to fund a black female farmer who's doing more than two million in revenue and we can match them. And in that process, something very powerful has happened. You've been able to connect a farmer in Kwakwa a farmer in Turando, a farmer in Hazyview with the funder who's sitting in an air-conditioned office um, in Santa. And the idea there is really to help get the help to where it's needed in a much more easier and in a much more efficient way. And we've only just kicked off. We're hoping that this is going to grow into something really, really massive. But key note is that Kula itself doesn't provide the funding, but we go out and we approach partners. And another important thing for farmers to truly be considered and for farmers to truly be considered and, and filtered out properly, they must complete their profile. So in the sign-up process, when the farmer signs up, signs up, we do ask them if they're interested in funding. 
if they say yes, it's important that they complete a full profile so that when funders are conducting a search, they can be able to draw down to those individual farms. So that's the cooler ecosystem. Those are the three components that go um, into that ecosystem. But the platform that's out, that's live, that's ready, is the Cooler Inputs app. And we'll continue to make announcements as time progresses. And through our relationship with Food from Zansi, the news will drop here. And we love the work that you guys are doing. Thanks, Duncan. And a big thanks for joining us, Kula co-founder, Karida Stinzolo. Next up, and an added bonus to this week's podcast, are a few highlights from our recent hashtag FarmSpaces session about farming off the grid. Our FarmSpaces host, Google Tumatlangu, Northwest Vegetable Farmer, and Food for Mzanzi journalist, Sinesi Potom, hosted this event. They were joined by Ted Blom, energy expert and mining consultant, and Chris Skutter, the director of Sonfin, an independent company specializing in structuring green power plants across the country. Ted, farmers have suffered substantial losses and have experienced severe interruptions at the hands of you know, ESCOM's power cuts. When ESCOM announced that they have completed building the last generating unit at Limpopo-based Mutupi power station, there seemed to be an energy of optimism in the country. You know, some farmers thought maybe some of their farming woes would, you know, would improve. However, you know, we were told by energy experts that you know, ESCOM's completion of the last generating unit at Limpopo, the Mutupi power station, would not make a difference in the lives of farmers. And I just wanted to find out from you in terms of you know our electricity crisis in the country you know how far are we from fixing all these power plants across the country to get to a place where we can be sustainable or make enough electricity to prevent power cuts from taking place in the country i partly agree with uh, mr stein we are behind with our power purchase program the reason we're behind is Eskom has run out of money because of corruption. For the price of Madupi, we should have got 20 new power stations. Not one, 20 new power stations. And I've got an example where in, in India, at the Mundra power station, it was started at the same time as Madupi. It's a similar configuration. In fact, it was going to work off South African exported coal, and the price on the grid was commissioned fully in 2012. In other words, on time, four years of construction, was 48 cents a kilowatt hour. So, yes, a lot of things have gone wrong with Eskom, and they can't operate Madupi and Kusili properly anyway because they haven't been completed. Madupi still needs scrubbing. They are polluting the world around Lepalale like you can't believe. In fact, Madupi's, while it was running all six units, was the worst polluting power station in the world because it hasn't got the scrubbers which they committed to when they got the money from the World Bank. That's the one thing. They can't do the scrubbers because somebody stole the money that was supposed to build the new dams in Lesotho. Phase two of the Lesotho Highlands dams because that needs the extra water to scrub the chimneys from dust and sulfur and everything, Madupi. That's the one thing. The other thing is, and this is where Eskimos lie to you consistently, they've blamed the old power stations. Time and time again, you see them coming on TV and saying, well, our fleet is 37 years old and power stations are unreliable and old. That's nonsense. I know of power stations around the world that are over 100 years old and still operating fine, but of course they've been properly maintained. When we had load shedding, Eskom again lied to you. They told you it was level two load shedding. I've got a graph from Eskom showing it was 5,085 megawatts off the grid at six o'clock in the evening on the 2nd of June. And the fantastic Madupi power station that evening, instead of 5,000 megawatts generation power, couldn't manage more than 2,080 megawatts of power on the grid. And Kusili was also less than half of its rated output. So the problem is we are being lied to by Eskom. And as you can see, we're now facing the consequences. The problem is, and this is a major problem, and I think everybody needs 
needs to make their voice heard. We cannot invest, whether it's in farming or in industry or anywhere, with an industry or with a utility that is corrupt to the core. The current management signed the double-priced coal contract on the 1st of June. It's corrupt. The current management are the ones that are lying to us about the level of load shedding. The 2nd of June should have been at least level 6 load shedding, which I forecast. And then I was surprised that I was wrong because over the last 14 years, I had yet been to be wrong. Then when I did the investigation and with help from people inside Eskim, there are some good people there, I got the graphs which showed that Eskim had actually lied. Chris, when it comes to solar panels or wind turbines, you know, depending on which region you are, how effective is it? How efficient is it? And if I am going to now invest in putting solar energy on my farm, how is that in comparison to relying on Eskom? With the scheme that ESCOM has in place where you can install a system up to a megawatt and you can do banking and exporting onto the network over a 12-month period, there's lots of positivity around ESCOM and renewable energy. I'm very excited for that. And the farmers that I'm working with, I can call a couple of them. It's the Karsten Group. It's big farmers and they are very exciting on what is happening in the renewable energy side. So renewable energy for a farm like Karsten Boudere, you can't take that farm off the grid. You won't be able to do it. There is no financial investment solution that's big enough to take a farm that size off the grid and install batteries and install generator. So that is why this is such a good opportunity where a farm have the capability to generate up to 70% that you want to get rid of ESCOM, but can work with ESCOM or uh, together with ESCOM to make it possible for farmers to generate their own electricity. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Mzanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story. Thanks, Gugu and Sine. Looking forward to our next hashtag FarmSpaces session about bee farming. Catch us every Monday at 6pm on Foodformzanzi's Twitter. Now that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Remember, if you love this podcast, please rate it and share it with your friends, family members and fellow farmers. From me, Don Numdu, Duncan Masiwa, our producer, Megan van der Fent, and the rest of the Food for Mzanzi team, have a great week. You've been listening to the Farmers Inside Track podcast, supported by Food for Mzanzi. For more information, find us on www.farmersinsidetrack.co.za.